Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Summits Podcast. We thank you all for tuning in on this Friday. It's probably not Friday when this gets released, but it's Friday at the time of this recording. So happy Piff to everybody. Piff, that is, Pay It Forward Friday. So we're going to pay it forward a little bit today on this episode. Um, As you can see, missing the uh, partner in crime here, Daniel and his wife, Kelsey, are over in Columbus, Ohio. And Kelsey is participating in the Arnold Sports Festival. Uh, that Arnold. Uh, and no, I'm not going to impersonate his voice. Um, so good luck to Kelsey. And her. I think this is her first competition back from having twins um, six months or so ago. Um, so good luck to her. And good luck to Daniel watching the twins while Kelsey is competing. Um, I'm not sure who's going to need more luck in that scenario. Uh, today's guest, folks, is Billy the Kid Campbell. Um, I will let Billy kind of introduce himself here, but, um, Billy is a local indie resident, um, has been to many heroes events over the past several years. Um, got to know each other at those, um, the gala, for example, and, um, welcome to the summits podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Why don't uh, you introduce yourself to our, to our listeners? Sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that I can't remember the last time I was invited to a, an Arnold uh, competition. Um, Likewise. <laughs> generally, I think a lot of stuff gets lost in the mail, and obviously this is probably the yeah. case. So We're more Hans and Franz, probably material. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's probably a, probably a, a well said. Yeah. Um, so I was born and raised in Fort Wayne, Indiana. The Fort. Uh, proud graduate of Snyder High School, the mighty Snyder Panthers. Um, also a proud graduate of Indiana University. There we go. Um, spent uh, four of some of the best years of my life down in Bloomington in the uh, mid-90s. Um, graduated there in 99. Okay. And uh, So you're a little bit behind me, but that's I'm, right. I'm a little bit behind <laughs> you, yeah. And the good news is for the rest of my life, I'll always be a little bit behind you, so that's good yeah. in age. I'm anyway. not sure how to take that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so graduated uh, with a, uh, went to the business school down there. Uh, graduated with a degree in marketing, and went to work for Caterpillar of all places. Um, not because I had a, a long family affinity with uh, con- the construction business or earth moving, but because quite frankly, it was the best job offer I got out of college. So yeah. I packed up and did. Cat go th- to the Kelly School and do recruiting. They did. Did they? Okay. Yeah, they did. Um, and in fact, I was one of, they continued that for another couple of years after I was there. Yeah. Um, what they found is that, uh, people that aren't born and raised in Peoria oftentimes end up leaving the company because they take it all these great places. You get to a place you like and, and you right. leave. And fortunately I was no exception. Um, so did you start out in Peoria or the Quad Cities? I lived in Peoria twice. Peoria. Okay. I went right to Peoria. Um, I mean, I literally left Bloomington, Indiana, and after about 30 days in, in Fort Wayne, I was I was living in, in Peoria uh, okay. in the real world. So, and uh, worked for Caterpillar for five years. Uh, lived in uh, Peoria twice, Nashville, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, and ultimately made the decision to come back uh, and be closer to uh, to family and and uh, get back to the Midwest. Um, so uh, uh, I came back to Indianapolis or, or moved to Indianapolis. Right. 
Um, and to do that, I left Caterpillar and took a job with McAllister Machinery. Yep. And I've been there ever since. This will be my 23rd year in the uh, Caterpillar world, uh, as you'd call it, you know, the construction sales world. Um, and uh, the first five of that with Caterpillar and the rest with a great family-owned company uh, right here in Indiana and Michigan. So been doing it ever since. Is McAllister based in Indy or were they based out mm-hmm. of? Our corporate headquarters is Indianapolis. Okay. Um, for the first close to 80 years of McAllister's existence, um, McAllister was the cap dealer for Indiana, for Indiana most okay. of Indiana, uh, okay. except for a sliver of Southern Indiana. And then uh, we made an acquisition um, several years back of uh, Michigan Cat, which is the Caterpillar dealer for Michigan. Sure. And so we're now the uh, licensed Caterpillar dealer for both states, Indiana and Michigan. Nice. You said they're still privately owned, family held, or privately owned. Yeah, okay. uh, the great P.E. McAllister, one of the real legends of um, uh, of, of the state of Indiana. Um, uh, well respected, revered, uh, just tremendous philanthropist. Uh, I can't say that word. Philanthropist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thank you. Uh, easy for <laughs> you to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Just a just a great great man, and 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 passed away um, not long ago, and. But his son, Chris, has been actively running the business for, for quite a long time. So yeah. uh, it's all in the family. You know, Chris is the owner, and um, he has two children, Laurel and Alex. And um, uh, the way the Caterpillar dealership deal works, which is one of the, the really great things about it, is no matter how big these companies get, they're family-owned okay. and privately held. So Cool. Yeah, it's a great great place to work. Well, we may have to talk to him on the other podcast, but that's we'll save that for another day. I, I, I know how to get a hold of him yeah. on occasion. There uh, you go. So... Um, you guys are probably quite busy not to go down that path, but, um, we are, there's a lot of construction going on for sure. A lot of construction. Um, you'd never know it with all the potholes that we're driving (laughs) over every day right now. But, but several years ago, it really goes back to when Mitch Daniels was, was in office here. Mm -hmm. Um, he started the major moves program, which essentially is rebuilding our entire infrastructure in Indiana. And uh, that's a long, there's a lot of work associated with that. So from an infrastructure standpoint, just in the state of Indiana, um, just tremendous amount of work. Um, and then, of course, coming out of a pandemic, the challenge for us, uh, of course, is supplying right. you know, the equipment for, for folks to, to be able to do that work. Um, we're, we're, we've not been immune to those supply challenges. Yeah, we, uh, so our offices downtown are just, if you're heading south on 65, as it goes on the east side of downtown, they were just on the east side of that. Yeah. So all that construction there with 65 and 70 and whatnot. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's it's been interesting to say yeah. the least. It's but. you know it, uh, progress can be painful and right. uh, there's a fair amount of pain out there right now trying yeah. to get around. There's no I'd doubt. Say right now is probably the worst only because and I, I was downtown yesterday. Um, you've got the rerouted traffic because of the uh, highway uh, build sure. outs. Sure. You've got potholes everywhere because of it's now springtime and things are thawing out and all that. Yeah. And it just, just the mix between the two is not great for streets. Um, no, but no, it's, it it's, uh, is. somebody told me the other day, it's, it's like Frogger, you know, you're hundred oh, percent. It's, it's, it's <laughs> uh, luckily we know how to drive race cars in Indiana. Cause it's, right? you know, you have to be on your toes right now. For so, sure. So hundred percent. Um, you're going back to the IU days. Um, where did you live down there? So I was, uh, I was what they call a GDI. I was not, okay. a, not Greek down yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived, uh, uh, in the dorm freshman year in okay. Teeter and then yep. I lived off campus. Um, 
with uh, just a group of knuckleheads that, that I'd known for a long time and right. a couple that we met actually down in Bloomington. So um, lived over on uh, East Atwater over by the College Mall in an old yep. house. Okay. Um, um, had, a, had a nice big unfinished basement in that place that we did our best to uh, ransack, if you will. Right. But, uh, lived there for a couple of years, then lived over at Lincoln Street, uh, 20th and Lincoln, okay. um, over near the football stadium right. uh, my senior year. And I was foolish enough to finish in four years. Pretty much everybody else I was with down there uh, found ways to drag that thing out. And uh, I think my dad told me, I said, I wanted to, I'd like to stretch this out to one more semester. And he said, no problem, you know, but the insurance and the tuition's on you. And right. so it, it, yeah, that sounds familiar. It became fairly easy logic <laughs> in my mind at that point, what I needed to do. Right. So. Did you ever do uh, summer school down there? No, but I studied. Yeah. Uh, I didn't do summer school. Um, I came home and worked uh, in Fort Wayne. Yeah. Uh, but I did spend a summer in, in the Netherlands uh, doing okay. overseas study. Nice. Um, in Maastricht. Yeah. So I spent uh, an entire summer over there and, of course, um, went two weeks before and, and a week after and, right. and traveled Europe with one of the other guys who was studying with me there and just, you know, backpacking a train. Um, uh, so That's just awesome. a, a pretty incredible experience as a, as a 21 year old kid, sure. or 22, yeah. I guess at the time. I knew so. several friends of mine who had done a, uh, a summer in Bloomington and I don't know how much studying was accomplished though. They no. did, you know, fulfill their credits with whatever classes they were taking, but, yeah. uh, it sounded like a very interesting, um, I'll call it social experiment. Yeah, it is. It's, uh, people rave about it just because the crowds are down and it's, right. you know, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a leisurely pace, I think. I, yes. I, yeah. Somehow these people convince their parents they're overachieving by staying to take some extra classes and it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Not I don't know much challenge, but I, it sounds great. You know, I'd love, you know, if you could turn back the clock to uh to have experienced that i don't know that my liver could handle it these days but um no yeah no um uh i'll never forget uh there's a guy in my industry his name is kevin culligan and he, he actually is a runs a dealership up in the pacific northwest but i can remember him not long out of college mm -hmm. i went to go visit him for a caterpillar visit you know learning about the business at the time you know i was running through their management training program Kev and his name was kevin culligan and uh Nobody could really put him back like Mr. Culligan. And, and um, I was expressing to him that, um, boy, I haven't felt like last night, you know, since college. Uh, I'm not sure I can do this another night, Mr. Culligan. And he looked at me with this big smile and he said, you know, Mr. Campbell, the human body can take an amazing amount of punishment. So <laughs> I, I, uh, I always quote that guy. I've never forgotten that line. So uh, I remember that one. Yeah. But no. Great place to go to school, um, great education, obviously great business school. Um, and that opportunity uh, with Caterpillar would have never been afforded to me had they not come in and recruited and, and provide the services that IU pr provides in that respect. So, yeah. And then 23 years later, here I am still still in the business. So, Coincidentally, uh, tomorrow morning, <coughs> I will be down there with uh, my daughter, who will be an incoming freshman in the fall. Oh, and they're doing great. Have a, they're having like a what do they call it direct admit kelly day or something like that it's mm -hmm. kind of like a little open open house and getting yeah. them you know in, into the flow and introducing them more to the school etc so it should be interesting oh it'll be great they've added so much to that building i mean oh. the whole thing looks it's unrecognizable down yeah there. yeah it, it completely different i graduated in 95 so it's light years ahead of where it was yeah however many years ago that's been we won't count and chris please do not flash it on the screen 
For the record, I was still in high school when you graduated college. Yeah, I just want to make sure that the public and well, the at least it was high school. That. I mean, if Daniel was like, "Oh uh, yeah, I, I was I born yet? I think it was. Maybe I was, you know, just out of the womb." Somebody on the radio yesterday didn't said they'd never heard of Ed Mc, Ed McMahon before. Wow, that that was a sobering moment for me. Yeah. <laughs> I've had a few of those experiences lately, and I'm like, come on, man. I'm not that old. Am it's I? not Jim McMahon, Ed McMahon, like <laughs> the Ed McMahon. How do you right. not know who Ed McMahon they might is? Not, like, they, some may not know Jim McMahon. <laughs> either. exactly that's, right. That's the problem. Yeah, touche. Wow. Well, um, so kind of odd odd timing with the, the human body <clears throat> comment. Um, March, as you certainly well know, is Kidney Cancer Awareness Month. So, Billy, what's your cancer story? Yeah, my cancer story was um, – I guess if, if, if you're lucky to be diagnosed with cancer, um, mine was a, a, a real stroke of luck um, in terms of uh, finding what I had. I was, uh, I remember sitting one day at McAllister Machinery in my office um, and I had a side pain. Um, yeah. Similar conversation that you and I just had before we got started here, right. honestly. Um, I had a, a side stitch uh, in, 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 in the, the front side of my stomach and it on the right side. And it, I figured it was probably a muscle pull, something. But a week later, it was still there, yeah. right? And I had no history of cancer, um, had no symptoms. How old were you at that point? Uh, this was in 2013. Uh, so I was 36. Okay. Um, and uh, so uh, a week later, uh, I go to our... Uh, for lack of a better term, kind of the, the, the on-site doctor that we had, the doc in a box, if you call him, right? Mm -hmm. But we, had our, we have an on-site health okay. provi care provider. And, and he looked at my chart, and he talked, we talked about family history. And I have a lot of cancer in my family. And I had an unidentified pain, and it didn't feel muscular to me. So um, he suggested we get a CT scan. And so I got a CT scan. So he calls me probably a day, the day after my CT scan. And he said, uh, hey, can you come down and see me? And I said, sure. So I came down and saw him and he said, I've got good news and bad news. And I said, well, what's, what's the good news? He said, there's nothing wrong with your right side. There's nothing over there. Uh, seems to be fine. There's, everything looked normal. So I'm not sure what's causing your pain there. Um, but, uh, there was nothing on a scan that indicated anything. However, when we do a CT scan, we look at everything. When they read those, they look at everything. And they found something concerning on your left kidney. So The opposite side. Opposite side, totally unrelated. Interesting. Um, most people in their 30s aren't considered high risk for kidney cancer. Okay. So um, had I not had this mysterious side stitch that, you know, was probably a... a in hindsight, some sort of a site, a muscle pull or something. It's yeah. hard to know. Um, but uh, some people would have probably considered what that doctor did to be a little bit overly aggressive getting a CT scan for a side, pa uh, side pain, but, uh, but it changed my life. Right. Um, because they, um, they did find a tumor on my left kidney. And that's how I was diagnosed. So I'm not going to... Having been there, I, I I cannot imagine what you were going through at the time. You were married at the time. Yeah. Okay. With a one and a half year old son at the time. Okay. Yep. So, take take us through that. I mean, I everyone reacts a little differently, though. 
getting a cancer diagnosis um, shock is is probably putting it mildly. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, there were such a flood of emotions going on at that time. I'd, I'd, I'd have to be honest with you and tell you that I, uh, I think a lot of those conversations have sort of left my memory banks just, um, just because at that time I was trying to be as practical as possible, especially going in, um, uh, to see a, a specialist, um, and not knowing what was coming next. I wanted to try to keep my head around the facts and try to have, you know, as little emotion as possible. Yeah. But at the time, our, our son was, uh, we have two children, uh, but at the time my son was one and a half. So obviously things were pretty busy taking care of him and, and chasing him around the house as a, as a walker and, mm -hmm. and uh, all the fun things that come with being one and a half. So, but I will tell you emotionally for me, the impact of being diagnosed with that, um, now that I had been a father was something an entire, it was an entirely different feeling. Right. Um, if I got diagnosed with that in Bloomington on a Wednesday, uh, you know, I probably would have uh, gone out that night and, and uh, not thought much about it. it. It really is amazing when you, um, when you have other responsibilities in your life. Um, it can be a personally impactful thing, obviously, but, sure. but it's, it's obviously very impactful. Your first thoughts are with, you know, who's at home and what's going to happen if, something really bad happened. So, right. uh, so yeah, that, it was an emotional time. Um, but I'll tell you, um, uh, another odd happenstance in my life, uh, when I lived in Denver um, for Caterpillar, I always wanted to live in Colorado, loved it out yeah. there. But Caterpillar was going to move me, uh, I think, to the East Coast, and I didn't want to do that. And that was the time that I chose to leave and, and to, to call McAllister Machinery. Um, in fact, my, my current boss, Dan Dayton, was the man that I called then didn't even know him, um, but he found something for me. Yeah, was it Jersey or Denver? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and I, you Nothing know, I against New Jersey folks. No, yeah. absolutely, um, or Philly, or Baltimore, or uh, any of those fine cities. Right. Um, it's just the winters are, are rough, you know. Sure, of course, right. So, um, but uh, uh, the the other real blessing here is that. Um, you know, Indianapolis is no New Jersey, it's no Philly, but from a physician's perspective mm -hmm. and hospital care, uh, there aren't many cities in the world that I would put up against, you know, this place. And so again, um, whether it was going to the doctor for a random side pain or, you know, choosing Indianapolis as a place I was going to finally come and settle down, mm -hmm. both very fortuitous outcomes for me. Um, and my situation here with cancer was no different. I went to uh, after I was diagnosed, I had to go visit Indiana, uh, Urology of Indiana. Okay. Yep. And my very first visit was not a long one. Um, the doctor came in. Um, he said, this is what you've got. It's renal cell carcinoma. Um, we generally don't biopsy these. We, we see them. We know what it is. Um, we don't biopsy them typically. And I, I'm trying to remember the details here, Vince, but it, it, I, I think biopsying that there's too much risk of pulling that back out and introducing cells elsewhere in the body. So they'd rather okay. not do that. So he just said, um, we do a nephrectomy. So we're going to take your kidney out. So that was a bit of a shock. Um, and then he went through the, the five minute sort of high level on, Hey, you know, you're young and people live just fine on one kidney and the human body's amazing. And you know, da, 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 went right. through all the, so you asked about that conversation at home. That was a rough, day, uh, thinking about all the ramifications of that. So, um, as I was preparing for that, I received a phone call from a different surgeon, uh, Dr. Farnham, 
who um, uh, I, I swear I I was only 36, but I swear I think he was younger than me. I don't you know in in pristine health. Guy played right. college football. You yeah, know, yeah, he did. He I know, I know who I know who you're talking about. Yeah, great great guy. Um, he called me and he said, "Hey, um, I want you to know." Um, his his specialty is the now world famous Da Vinci mm-hmm. um, operating uh, mechanism, right? right? The the uh, robotic octopus guy. And he said, I, "I think that your kidney, given your age and the size of that tumor and where it is, I think you might be a candidate for a partial nephrectomy." That just answer the one question I had in my mind was obviously not being a doctor and not knowing enough about this myself. But where do they draw the line between we need to remove the whole thing versus sectioning a portion of it off? Right. I think it has to do with location, yeah, size, where it is compared to, say, lymph nodes, things like that. But I, I think in this case, a big thing going for me was I'm 36 years old at that time. Sure, yeah. And so I, I think with the same tumor, if I went in there and I'm 60, they're probably taking my kidney out okay, um, yeah. is my guess. But um, – Anyway, he, what was interesting about it is, um, and again, I'm going to try to remember these details. Uh, they might be a little fuzzy, but what he told me at the time was he was going to, there's a tumor board at St. Vincent's where um, he, this guy took my slides over and they reviewed, you know, several cases with other doctors, other surgeons from other practices that have this sort of board. I, it was, was the way I, That's I understood it. Especially as some, as competitive as some of those health systems can get, and I'm not going to go down that path, but yeah, that's interesting that that exists. I mean, it's cool. Yeah. Right. And, and I, and I think that, um, the way that it was explained to me essentially was, um, uh, you know, this is, um, we all have looked at your case and agreed you're a, a great candidate for this. And so, um, I don't know anything about the Da Vinci machine, um, but uh, do you think it was weird at all? Maybe maybe at thirty six, maybe not. Uh, I ask this because I've I've got some friends who are in certain situations now where they have the option of looking at um, they they're looking into surgery and their their options are do we go robot or do we go I'll call it old school. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a right or wrong answer either way, but some people get weirded out like. I don't know that I want feel comfortable with that. You know, the doctor's over there in the corner at oh. a computer, and this robot essentially is. It's amazing. Um, uh, but I've heard a lot of positive things. Yeah, uh, and I'll give you my my story because I, 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 it's a it's that that thing is um, talk about one of the real medical miracles of of um, of creating something that can be that precise. And and to right. your point, you know, when I laid down in that OR, you know, before I was out. I looked over and saw where he was going to be sitting, you know, in his cockpit, essentially playing a video game on my insides. Right. I mean, so that could be a little unsettling, I suppose. Sure. But I also trust, I have a tremendous amount of trust in physicians. And this was a guy that, I mean, everything about this guy was um, impressive to me. Yeah. Including um, like, like Tetris world champion. You're like, oh, all right, yeah, he's got cl- it. We're good. clearly uh, from a Mario Kart perspective, this guy probably <laughs> was uh, upper echelon, um, uh, yeah, he was, he was, he was a player, no doubt about it. But what, uh, some people ask, have asked me at the time, um, did you ever just want to get the whole thing out of you? Right. Just be done with it. Yeah. And we weighed that. And 
the way I weighed that was absolutely the human body can live with one kidney. And in fact, what I've learned is that when you have one kidney out, or even if you remove a piece of one, uh, the other one increases in size to make up for the other one. Uh, I didn't know it, that. Uh, for the, from, for the, from, uh, from a functionality standpoint and a physical standpoint. Okay. But again, at 36 years old, um, the thought of living with only one kidney and knowing if something goes wrong with this one, right? right uh, I don't have another one sitting around. So, um, so I chose to do the partial route. I wasn't as concerned. The, the non-invasive surgery aspect is somewhat important to me. Yeah. But surgeries heal, right? Uh, it was the the real driver for me was being able to do a partial. Um, and then certainly the recovery was a piece of cake compared to having a full nephrectomy. Okay. Um, I missed, I was back to work in two weeks after my surgery um, and was up, you know, walking around the day after. And, you know, I've got, I've got four scars in the front of my body. You can barely see them where they mm -hmm. went in, where that thing went in four different places yeah. and, 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 and took it out. And they just took a pie shaped piece of my kidney out. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I had to do rotating every six months after that. Uh, I would do a CT scan mm -hmm. and then to sort of limit, you know, uh, the radiation effects of that, the, uh, uh, uh ultrasound, uh, the next six months after that. Okay. I did that for five years until I was given the all clear. So, right. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so how quickly after the surgery did they feel like, you know, this Farnham or, or one of the other docs there, um, did they feel like, Hey, you know, we were pretty confident we got everything we need to get. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, this was a, um, it's a slow growing tumor yeah. and it, and again, it was caught early. So it wasn't, um, there was a, a pretty good Delta between where the lymph nodes are and where that tumor crested. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, they were fairly convinced they got all of it, but that's again, why they, you know, there's a five year follow up after that. Sure. Uh, so, um, which, um, which I was able to successfully complete. So, right. So you're, you're more than five years out, obviously. Um, you're probably pushing 10 now, are you? Or uh, eight-ish? It'll be, it'll be 10 next year. Next year. Yeah. Next summer okay. it'll be 10. Another, another big milestone. Yeah, for sure. certainly. Um, how, I mean, this sounds cliche. We talk about attitude, um, a lot. What would you say your attitude was at the time of diagnosis? And then also through, um, through the experience itself. I mean, cause did you have, you didn't have anything beyond surgery. You had the surgery, but you didn't have to do chemo or radiation or anything I did not. beyond that. Okay. No, I did not. Um, you know, it, it, uh, Vince, it's surreal to me. And I talked to you a little bit about this before this podcast. Mm -hmm. I, everybody has their own cancer story. Yeah. I, I rarely talk about mine. Um, just because I know so many people, um, um, beyond just what I've seen, obviously at, at your events and through yeah. your organization, I just know so many people that have just been decimated and devastated by cancer. And, um, you know, I, I have three scars on my stomach and a surgery that I was back to work in two weeks. You're, you know what I mean? So I, um, but at the end of the day, um, it was still cancer. Right. Um, and, and, and that never really leaves your mind after that. Um, you know, you're always, you always have a heightened awareness. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I have joked about this, you know, right. um, but if my big toe hurts on the way home today, um, you know, it might be that my shoe's not fitting well, but in the back of my mind, you know, it, it is something that never leaves your mind. Um, right. knowing that it takes one cell, one bad cell. Um, and to have that kidney cancer at such a young age, mm -hmm. um, 
it, it does give you a heightened sense of awareness about, yeah. you know, to, to be, to be conscious and mindful, you know? Yeah. I think um, for young adults, um, you and I included, cause I've had this conversation with several others who are, have, were diagnosed somewhere in that, I don't know, let's say 18 to 35 ish range. Um, one of the questions that we all have, I mean, obviously the first goal is to get through the experience, right? Yeah. We want to be survivors, but then the, the, the underlying question in the back of our minds is okay. If they're saying the average age is 80 or average life expectancy, I maybe I should say, what is mine now? No one can answer that question. Right. But am, am I now just hoping to get to 50? Right. I don't know. I'm almost there. Yeah. Um, it's just something that always lingers in your mind, aside from, as you mentioned, the, the random pains that pop up and you're like, oh shit, what's this? Yeah. I've had many of those. Yeah. It, you know, it, it, uh, oh, I don't know. I could probably be accused of in my early life of uh, maybe a, a, a slight bit of uh, hypochondria type behavior at times. Uh, this certainly doesn't help that kind of a scenario. Right. Um, again, I would tell you that going to the doctor and complaining about a side stitch, you know, um, probably was a little bit of a, uh, of an overreaction to something that really wasn't that significant. But again, you know, thank God I did it. Mm -hmm. Thank God I checked. So, um, you know, my only advice to people, um, listening to this or when I talk to them is, uh, medical testing can be expensive. You know, um, insurances are all over the map with what they cover in terms of, you know, preventative health and, and right. looking at things. But, uh, boy, having children has made me realize, I mean, that, that one and a half year old is now nine. Mm -hmm. um, life goes quick and uh, ignoring significant sources of pain or discomfort, um, I think is, um, you know, I, I would encourage folks to, to don't feel like you're overreacting to things. Make sure you're, you're in tune with your body and what you're feeling. Again, uh, mine was symptomless. So mine's a, just a total stroke of luck, right. but, but, um, you know, eventually it wouldn't have been. Sure. So that on, on that same note, uh, that was kind of some messaging that we carried out in the gala where over the last couple of years of the pandemic, people were putting things off. Um, I think one of the positive outcomes, which has probably always been there, but it never really took off, which is the whole telehealth um, scenario. So if if you do have something like that, and you're like, ah, I don't know if it's really worth, you know, scaling an appointment and going in and doing all that. Do a telehealth thing. Call them. Talk yeah. it through it. Um, maybe it's a it's it's an, an easy thing they can do over you know Zoom or, or whatever uh, mechanism they're util utilizing, um, just to check it out. And yeah. if they feel like it's warranted, then coming in, then do it. But I mean, again, I think we talked about this earlier. You don't know if you don't ask, right? No, that's right. Um, and in the interest of full disclosure here, I, as I say this, I'm going to give you the other side of me, which is I, even after having cancer, there are times, and I promise you that there are people in my life right now that would sit here and say, are you kidding me? Because there are things. Um, that when you get extremely busy and especially with two kids and coaching yeah. sports and work and traveling and things like that, um, uh, you know, certainly, especially as men, it's pretty easy for us to, to put stuff off. Right. Um, and so again, another, uh, reason why it was significant that I had this happen to me at a time in my life that probably wasn't quite as busy as it is now. Sure. Um, you know, I was able to put a priority on that, I guess. But yeah, well, I'm glad that, uh, had a positive outcome, um, you know, it certainly could have been a lot worse. And I'm glad we're, we're both being able to, to sit here and, and share our stories. Absolutely. And talk about it. And if, and if, and if it helps, 
us heal, for help someone else out there heal, um, sharing these stories, and that that's what this is all about. Um, you admit you gave it a little bit of advice there, but if if you were going to talk to someone like you know, John or Jane Doe were to call you up right now and they're, you know, 30 years old or 35 years old and they've just been diagnosed with the same thing, what would you, and obviously their mind's racing, what would you tell them? Uh, the, the first thing I think I would tell them, especially if they're in Indianapolis, is, is put your faith in these doctors here. Yeah. Um, we are blessed. Um, and whether it's Urology of Indiana or specifically Farnham or um, you know, many of the other providers around here, you are in, we have a world-class healthcare here. So trust these doctors, you know, follow their advice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do your own research as well. Um, you know, the internet can be a scary place sometimes when you're uh, doomsday scenarios when you've been given some kind of a diagnosis right. like that. But, um, you know, I think self-researching, understanding everything you know about it, all the options is, is great. Um, I would tell you that I've had, uh, I've had a couple knee surgeries that were more uncomfortable than having a piece of my kidney removed uh, via the Da Vinci machine. Okay. So um, the technology um, is certainly there um, to make this a more um, comfortable procedure than, than it used to be. Right. And, and honestly, um, again, if, if, you, if, if removing an entire kidney is, is the only option that you have, um, the body works great with one kidney. It's just an, it's an amazing, it's amazing how the human body adapts, but it, but it truly does. So, um, you know, um, but I would say, uh, certainly don't put it off. Don't prolong it. You know, don't take a year to think about what you're going to do, get it out of there. You know, it's not just a tumor growing there. There's cells and cells are tiny and you don't want cells spreading around. And so don't, don't wait. Um, you know, sure. Yeah. Don't wait. Yeah. The one thing I would add to the, uh, check things out, do your own research is in my scenario, granted, the internet wasn't exactly what it is today. Um, <laughs> it was dial up. Yeah, we were on dial up. <laughs> um, Chris, you can hit that dial up, uh, sound effect. Um, but we, uh, I, I was, I was going through, I think it was Yahoo or something and scrolling through and found an article. And my, my mistake was not looking at the date of the article before I started spending, you know, an hour plus reading it yeah. and freaking myself out because when I finally got to the end of it, I saw the date. It was written the year I was born. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. And it was not a very flattering article. Let's just say that a lot had progressed with the treatment of the, my, uh, the cancer that I had back then um, versus at that time. Oh, absolutely. And so I was like, holy shit. Well, um, no, I mean, no joke. Uh, the, the guy, and, and nothing against the guy, I'm sure he's a brilliant surgeon, and, and they're great over there. Um, and it's just, hell, it's right up the road here. Right, yeah. Um, the gentleman that came in, you know, he wasn't a 65-year-old surgeon. He was right. probably in his 40s. And he looked at me and he said, we're going to take your kidney out. Any questions? Right? And uh, um, the fact that another doctor there that saw my case and, and voluntarily said, I think he's a candidate for this, obviously, again, right. I'm, I'm very fortunate. But um, if that would have been eight to ten months prior to that, they would have taken my entire kidney out. If that would have been prior to Dr. Farnham arriving at that practice, it's very possible, although I don't know this, but it's mm-hmm. very possible that that wouldn't have been an option. Right. Um, you know, that Da Vinci technology is probably 15 years old now, and it yeah. and it's still outer space technology to me. So um, it, it's just incredible what, what they can do now. Uh, and again, 
in a city like this, we've just got so many top flight surgeons and, and, and experts and technology to, uh, to, to help with this stuff. So, yep. No, I agree. It's, uh, that's why we're doing our thing. That's why we're investing in research and, and whether that be, um, research in new treatments to research in new, um, I guess, methods for, um, operating procedures and, and whatnot, it all kind of goes hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about making progress in the fight against cancer. So, uh, I'm glad that, uh, that you were able to take advantage of that. I'm certainly glad you're still sitting here today and, and sharing your story. Um, what am I missing? Uh, it's almost golf season. It's almost golf season. We got the email today that they're opening the greens up this weekend. We so did. A step in the process, in the right direction. We did. Um, <laughs> Uh, I just played a little bit down in Florida. I was down there on a business trip, and I played poorly, as, as I generally do. But you were in <laughs> sunny Florida playing golf in the month of February. I mm-hmm. mean, uh, a bad day on the golf course. Myself and right? our thousands and thousands of listeners and viewers right now have no sympathy for you, you know, about that aspect. Now that I mention <laughs> that, um, you know, uh, if my boss tunes into this... Um, I played a very limited amount of golf. I did not play golf four That's, days in a row with customers. Yeah. Um, absolutely didn't have any refreshments. But it's part of golf business course. development. Well, uh, this is a relationship business. There's no doubt about it. It is. Um, but uh, it's an all in the name of double digit percentage growth year on year. I That's think. exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. You are your own brand, right? All right. Well, hey. The brother, thanks for coming in and sharing your story. We appreciate it. Um, we wish you nothing but health and uh, success going forward. Uh, we appreciate your support of the foundation, and uh, we will certainly get teed up this, this summer for sure. Um, I appreciate that. I will not give you any strokes if you don't give me any strokes, and we'll just play straight up. Absolutely. Yeah, well, mar- marinate some ice cubes on the course as well. We will do that as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, McAllister is going to continue to be a strong supporter of the foundation. And that uh, it means a lot to us. It means a lot to me personally. Well, it mean, uh, means a lot to us too. I mean, McAllister Machinery's uh, partnership, like so many of our other corporate partners are, is, is, is absolutely vital to our existence. Yeah. Well, um, continued success with it, obviously, and we'll, we'll continue to support it. And then also, of course, for you and your listeners, you know, we're rooting for you as well, and, and I'm hoping you continue to get good news in, in some of your battles um, in, in, this as, in this respect as well. So we're thinking about you and rooting for you, and we'll commiserate on that uh, uh, at the golf course this summer. Exactly. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. And, hey, thanks, everyone, for listening today or checking us out on the Heroes Foundation YouTube channel. Uh, don't forget, you YouTubers, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. We appreciate you doing that. And, guys, share it out. That is that is how people get exposed to this, how uh, people can uh, you know learn about other stories and, and experiences with cancer. So share it out there on social media or however you um, see fit. Again, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Summits Podcast. Thanks, and beat cancer.